0: Okay, we're starting a new series this week, and Glenn's gonna intro it more next week because we're a bit low on time this week, but the new series, Known by Love. Known by Love. And uh, I'm going to take the first session in this, and uh, you know, if you've ever been out walking, I'm sure you have, um, this is a good tip for the guys who are going on the extreme adventure, and you get a stone in your shoe, and it's, it's really annoying and it's irritating, but you're in your stride, so you don't want to stop and take it out. And uh, you keep on going, but this is, oh, that's annoying. And, uh, you know, you've got that little limp happening. Offences are like that. They're small, not really visible, but we start to limp in our Christian walk. We might not even notice it to start with. And we may just keep on doing the usual church stuff like smile on the welcome team, lead a life group, sing on stage, even preach. But we're not connected with God quite the same way that we were. And it's like the power of God is starting to go cold in our lives. And if we were just to leave that Glenn was talking about the rivers of living water, we are praying about that this morning. You know, the rivers of living water start to get blocked up, and if you still leave it, rivers flow, but they're tainted with bitterness and resentment. It's not nice. And then, if you were to leave that stone in our shoe, unattended, it would begin to irritate the skin, break the skin, cause pain, you're gonna get grumpy. And then if you leave it long enough, that unattended wound will uh, go toxic and get quite smelly. And it's the same with a bitter person, have you noticed? You know, they're smelly. You don't wanna be around them because you get tainted by the same bitterness. We just want to avoid that sort of person we don't want to be the person that people want to avoid i love this verse in hebrews 12. <clears throat> make every effort to live at peace with all people and to be holy without holiness no one will see the lord make every effort it's an effort to live at peace with a few people i oh, know all people okay see this is a really important but see to it that no one misses the grace of god and that no bitter root causes trouble springs up to cause trouble and defile many see to it that no one misses the grace of god that means you can you can miss the grace of god but there is a grace of god there to deal with that thing you can just Picture those roots going underground and springing up, and now more people are infected with what offended you in the first place. And I'm sure you've noticed that we're living in a culture of magnified offence. I mean, is there anything people don't get offended at now? Offended at the po- government, offended at what you say, offended at what you don't say. <laughs> Pro this anti-that, judging, criticising, condemning, name-calling. And it's all based on what, generally, on what somebody else told us. What we heard on the media, what we saw on Facebook, what so-and-so said to so-and-so that said to so-and-so, and then we heard it. And, you know, have we ever actually met or talked to the person that we're speaking ill of? We mustn't let the media dictate our attitudes and our beliefs around other people. And if you want a good reason, just look at Nazi Germany, the way Hitler used the media then. Even Christians were influenced by that. And, you know, it's not just out there in the world. It's kind of in your home. Ever had a child that's just so mad? And, and you investigate to see what happened, and their sibling looked at them and they took (laughs) offence. Or you might be a young person or have a young person in your home or maybe you're the spouse and uh, you got a chip on your shoulder and your spirit closes up and it's don't touch me. You know a chip on the shoulder is an offence in the heart. It needs to be attended to. It's a stone in the shoe. And offence has invaded the church, too. Not Thrive Church, but other churches. <laughs> you know, Christians who get offended at Christians have got different views on doctrine, or music, or politics, or that V, v-, v word, that, v- that, v- vaccination that word or offended because you got missed off the volunteer thank you list or offended because this is going to include everybody in the room probably offended because Pastor Lynn forgot your name (laughs) offended because your life group leader didn't notice you at the supermarket or um, didn't speak to you at Mitre 10 and on it goes offended at which version of the bible the preacher's using do you know that happens? I had somebody ask me before they actually attended, the, or they visited, "What version of the Bible do you use at this church?" It's like uh, <laughs> they didn't come back. Um, <laughs> sometimes offended because you think that the preacher's targeting you with what they're saying. And uh, I mean, at the end of the day, why aren't the pastors that thrive perfect? I mean, really. How old is this church? Yeah, come on. Perfect pastor, this is what we're looking for. The perfect pastor preaches exactly 20 minutes then sits down. So you can get offended at me because I'm gonna take longer. He, forgive the fact that it's he all the way through, he condemns sin roundly but never hurts anyone's feelings. He works from 8 a.m. till midnight and is also the building maintenance guy which includes unblocking the toilets. The perfect pastor makes $400 a week, wears good clothes, drives a good car, buys good books, and donates $300 a week to the church. <laughs> He's 36 years old, very handsome, and has been preaching 40 years. <laughs> he preaches sermons with the, uh, that win the hearts of the lost and inspire the minds of the mature. He produces miracles like Smith Wigglesworth teaches faith like Kenneth Hagin, evangelises like Billy Graham, has the eloquence of Spurgeon, and the passion of Moody. And yet he's so profoundly simple that even preschoolers are blessed and teenagers take notes on his sermons. In addition, oh no, he invests, let's go to this one, he invests 25 hours a week in sermon prep, 20 hours in counselling, 10 hours in meetings, five in emergencies, 15 in visitation, 10 in evangelism, six in weddings and funerals, and 30 hours a week in prayer meditation. 12 hours in administration, 10 hours in creative thinking, yet he's always available for a friendly chat should you drop by his office. And in addition, he meets all his neighbors and civic leaders within the community and wins their hearts too. And of course, the perfect pastor has a worldwide ministry through television and all the books he's written in his spare time. He travels extensively preaching the word, but he still has time to uh, listen to everyone's problems and he wants to be kept updated on your bunions and backaches. The perfect pastor is always in another church. So if your pastor doesn't measure up, simply send this notice to six other churches that are tired of their pastor too. Then bundle up your pastor, if he's still alive, send him to the church at the top of the list. And if everyone cooperates, you will get in one week, 1,643 pastors, one of them should be perfect. PS, have faith in this letter. One church broke the chain and got its old pastor back in less than three months. So if you didn't have a reason to get offended with your pastors, you probably found one there. But more importantly, there are a lot of people who are offended at God. Bill Johnson said this, the backslider in heart will always judge God by what he didn't do. And I think we could turn that around and we'd say, if we judge God by what he didn't do, we will backslide in heart. You know, he didn't heal, he didn't promote, he didn't fulfill that prophecy. He allowed that trial. He allowed that loved one to get sick, to get cancer, maybe to die. And he didn't give you an explanation. So there's that feeling of being let down, disappointed, abandoned by God, and believing that he's got favorites, and you're just not one of them and then unwilling to live with a certain level of mystery, you step back. Just not gonna trust God quite the same as I did. We're gonna circle back to that right at the end. I'll leave it there for now. You know, one of the most potent weapons that Satan uses to steal people's destiny and destroy their lives and relationships is this weapon of offense. It might seem small, but it's powerful. So you think, well, what's going on? You know, what what opens the door for this? And I think of unrealistic expectations. That's a big one amongst Christians. We think that everybody should have the same opinion as us because they read the same Bible. They should be reading the same Bible. Religious spirits love to stir up offense around doctrine, the right version of the Bible. And then this word, Assuming. Assuming we know someone else's heart, their thinking, or their motives, and you want to get on really dangerous ground. Assuming that a man thinks like a woman, (laughs) or vice versa, that can lead to trouble. Or assuming that other uh, ethnic groups or socioeconomic groups are experiencing life the same way as we are, when in fact it's a very different experience for them and through no fault of their own. And then judging, judging others without listening to their story. I mean, do we even care what their story is or what their background is? I fall into this category too. It's, it, I mean, this is us we're talking to today. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, interesting verse, it's impossible that no offences should come. So there we have it, out of the mouth of the master, But the Bible also tells us this in Proverbs, it is to man's glory to overlook an offence. I wonder if you've ever tried that, overlooking an offence. Not burying it, trying to put on the Christian thing, but actually genuinely overlooking it. What if we decided to live an unoffendable life? Which means, that I would have to give up the right to be offended. And isn't it interesting about offence, we think we've got a right to be offended? You know, that's how it feels. It feels we can justify it because of what they said. Interesting verse, I hadn't read it this way before, but Paul said this, I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offence toward man and toward God. Paul. I mean, I can understand him being offended at man. Have you read Paul's life? Oh my goodness, how he was treated. But Paul had to exercise himself to have a conscience void of offense toward God. I, I suddenly realized I'm, I'm in company of great people when I get ticked off with God. Of course, you wouldn't be like that. But that's what happens to me sometimes. You know, what sets us apart as followers of Jesus is that we live radically, like he did. And that means we forgive people who don't deserve it, even if they live in your same house. And we love people who are unlovable. Or at least we try to do those things. That's what makes us different. And every now and again, we need to ask ourselves the question, and Glenn mentioned it last week, am I a spirit person or a flesh person? and what's going on right now. You see, walking in the spirit leaves no place for rehearsing, repeating, and nursing offences. You know, some people just wanna rock their little offence, it just feels so good. I was talking to someone there, and I didn't even realize this was an offence. I was talking to someone the other day, and we're talking about rest times. And I just shared, um, with details, about my dad's experience in rest time and some of the times that he was neglected and abused. <gasps> I had a right to be. Anyway, um, and I-, I shared that, and, uh, and as I was telling the story, I started to feel that pain and angst all over again. Even though I'd forgiven those people, and after laying official complaints, um, which sometimes we need to do that. It's part of the whole thing. But then afterwards, something was still niggling inside of me, and then God spoke really clearly. He said, I don't want you to tell that story again. And I thought, wow. Because, you see, it was taking away my peace. Great peace have they who love your word, and nothing shall offend them. There it is again nothing so you want to have successful rewarding relationships then you've got to take that little stone out of your shoe we want an open heaven in our church yes or nod. yes then we've got to take the stones out of our shoes do we want our community to be impacted by this radical love that we've talked about then the church has got to clean up its own atmosphere first. We've got to take the stone out of our shoe. You see, relationships are really important to Jesus. And he's really serious about us not living in offense with anyone. Why? Because the devil has won when we're no longer able to demonstrate the heart of God. Oh, we can still go to church. We can still speak the Christianese language, but not with the heart of God. And this is what it all comes back to. Jesus' prayer in John 17, here he is at the end of his life, and this is so important that this is what he's praying, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you, may they also, may they also be one in us, so that the world may believe you've sent me. And then he said this, I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they can be one as we are one. It's like, oh my goodness, our excuses just got removed. He's given us the glory to be able to be one. Do you remember as a kid setting up bird traps with a cardboard box and a stick? I'm probably talking to those over 50 now, um, and you tie, you tie a, a bit of string to the stick, and you, yeah, look there's a young man who knows. Okay, <laughs> and, they... <laughs> and then you put some bread underneath the box, lie off there and wait till that innocent bird came in, tug. Just in case you were getting offended, uh, we'd never actually managed to catch a bird, but, that word, offence, scandalon. It actually means. Got a rat trap here. It actually means uh, refers to the part of the trap where the bait was put, and of course, when the mouse or the rat or whoever it is, maybe you or I, um, take that bait, snap, goes the trap, and. The word came to mean closed in or trapped. Starting to get the picture? If we take the bait, we are now trapped, closed in. The enemy has got us. The key is, don't take the bait. It's a trap. (laughs) But so often we forget. So if you have taken the bait, spit it out again. Real quick, because the truth is, you know, we can get offended anywhere, anytime, for almost any reason if we don't guard our hearts. But imagine what it would be like to live in a home or to be part of a church that's an offense free zone. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? And then other people would come in or see us or hang around us, and wow, the love that is there. They'll be asking questions about it. So let's have a look at some signs of an offence. want to get into the practical part now. Signs of an offence. Number one, a strained relationship. We're going to go through these fairly quickly. Feelings of annoyance or resentment, you know, the chip on the shoulder. Detachment or withdrawing from the person, the group, or the church. Distorted perceptions. You know what it's like when someone really annoys you and then you actually have distorted lenses on and from then on you see everything they do through that same thing. And it just... Build your case. Demonic harassment. You can often pin that down to having left out crumbs of resentment and unforgiveness and offence. You see the enemy loves to feed on that stuff. You give it to him, he'll come. River of the Holy Spirit dries up. We talked about that. Offences become like huge stones that block the river of life. And then resistance to authority, rebellion. You find a really rebellious person, track it back, you'll find offense upon offense upon offense, all undealt with. So we better deal with them. What does the Bible tell us on this? Well, in Matthew 5 and in Matthew 18, there are two verses, one that tells us if we remember that our brother's got something against us, we go and sort it out. And the other verse tells us, if we've got something against our brother, we go and sort it out. If you know, you go. It's as simple as that. If you know, you go. You know, we don't get to have a ministry of victimhood. Our ministry that Jesus has given us is a ministry of reconciliation. If you know, you go. First of all, you go to God. Do some soul searching. If you're offended, ask yourself, are my expectations realistic? Am I overreacting? Ladies, this is where you check the time of the month. (laughs) Are my feelings telling me the truth? Is this actually about me? Do I need to get healed? Do I simply need to grow up? Is my rejection showing or my pride showing? Did I take offense when I should have taken correction and then ask, is this offence, does it warrant biblical attention? Or is it just, I don't like them. I don't like their personality. I don't like their music. I don't like their dirty car. Whatever. (laughs) Were their words or actions simply immaturity without any intention to hurt? Is it just an isolated incident? If so, It's time to forgive, forget, and move on. This is where it's our glory to overlook an offence. But if you discover that you offended them, you still get before God, and you ask God to replay the video from their perspective, which can be quite enlightening. So you've gone to God, and now you know you need to go to them. First, remember... It says go to them. You know, it's illegal in the kingdom of God to blab an offence to somebody else. It does so much trouble. It doesn't mean you can't seek counsel on how to deal with it. So if you were offended, aim for a win-win resolution. This is not about you do this. How can we win? <coughs> Clarify the issue because maybe you didn't get it right. Maybe you misheard or didn't see correctly, filters, stuff like that. Listen to them. That could be new for some of us. Listen to them. And then express honestly how what they did impacted you. Not like you did, I felt this is what it was like for me. So we're using helpful, kind words, speaking the truth in love. You see, you don't use a sledgehammer to crack a walnut or your husband's head. All right, address the actual issue. I've never hit him yet. I did say yet. Pillow over the head, maybe I felt like that. Okay. Just erase that. That didn't go online. So address the actual issue, not all the other things you don't like about them, because there may be a list. Stick with the issue. And then forgive and release them from your judgment, just like God forgives you. Uh Uh-huh. Now, if you offended someone else, you still go to them. You accept responsibility without making excuses and justifying yourself. Oh, that is so hard. Accept responsibility. Apologize from a sincere and humble heart, and then try and adjust your attitudes and actions so that you're not repeating that offence. Now remember, when you do all of this, people's reactions will vary. There will be some that just accept the apology, and there'll be others that then begin to remind you of all the other ways you've ever hurt them. All I can say is stay humble and have another appointment you have to get to. <laughs> Glenn taught me that. <laughs> okay, four quick golden tips. Resolving offences is not about taking revenge. Chuck Swindolls tells the story about this lady who was getting her blood test results from the doctor and the doctor said, actually, you've got rabies. And she took out her pen and paper and started writing rapidly. And he said, oh, no, no, you're not going to die. We can treat this. Oh, I know, she said. I'm just making a list of all the people I'm going to (laughs) bite. So you don't take the stone out of your shoe to throw it at somebody else. (laughs) And neither do you dump, your baggage on someone else and you walk away feeling oh so good and now they've just got all that baggage that they've got to deal with. God's heart is what we want in all of this. Take Christ as vindicator. Glenn mentioned that this morning. You know in this life you're going to be misunderstood and even if you try and fix it sometimes often it gets worse. So we turn to Jesus, and we say something like this, Jesus, I'm going to take my hands off this and trust you to vindicate. You know my heart. And if you really know that Jesus knows your heart, there's other things, that don't matter the same. <clears throat> then um, don't give up. <laughs> Love your enemies, pray for them, do them good. I had this um, when I was leading the church and in the minister's, Uh, association. We we had a a minister in there, actually an orthodox priest. And we were praying one day um, over the conflict in Eastern Europe. And I didn't kind of associate him with that. But anyway, I prayed and out of my limited knowledge. And then I found out later on that I'd really offended him because he understood more of the ethnic stuff going on than what I did. And so I then I read this about doing good. So I went and bought him a box of chocolates. Now you've got to remember, he was already offended at me because I was a woman leading a church because that's not allowed. And uh, so anyway, I bought this box of chocolates, knocked on his door, I have no idea what I said, (laughs) but handed him the box of chocolates. And our relationship after that was just great, all for a box of chocolates. (laughs) Honestly, it was well worth the um, humbling. And then practice living an unoffendable life. I wonder if we could get the keyboard list up. Or maybe the whole lot. Just all come if you want to, but definitely you, please. <laughs> You're my favorite for this, but you know, in the story of the prodigal son, the loser was the older brother. And he lost because he got sulky, resentful, unforgiving. He missed the party. He missed the party with his older brother, but even more important than that, he missed the party with his loving father. Church, let's not miss the party. Let's not miss the party in our home, with our friends, our marriage, our church, our whatever sphere it is in your workplace. But most of all, let's not miss the party with our loving father. You see, if you remain offended with people, you're cutting yourself off, at least to some degree, from God as well. So, action. I have this bucket of stones here. Nice, sharp, pointy ones. (laughs) If you would like to, and assuming that, I'm I'm not assuming anything, I prayed, I prayed that Holy Spirit would convict us all where He needed to, even if it's a little offence. So, Pete's going to take this and leave it out by the, um, on a, maybe a table by the door or somewhere like that where you've got to see it when you walk past. And uh, I want you to take, you know, if the Holy Spirit has reminded you of an offence or two or three, or let's not talk about the rest and you've decided to take the stone out of your shoe, I want you to take enough stones to cover all the offenses and a few extra, okay? Because just in case, there's bound to be more. Um, And take that away with you. And then when you've worked through the offense, take your stones down to the river or the beach and throw them as far as you can, which is what Jesus has done with our son as far as from east to west. So I'll just give you this to you, and um, thank you. What I want us to do now, and I didn't trick you, I've just put you all on the altar call. Okay, we're gonna do this next bit together. Remember I said we're gonna circle back to being offended with God? Can you stand please? Now, the truth is that God actually can't do anything bad or wrong, but our perspective around disappointment can lead us to being confused and offended, maybe bitterness or anger toward Him, distancing ourselves from Him, maybe even building a wall, because we almost feel we've got to protect ourselves from what He might do next or might allow next. So what we're going to do, and I'm going to get us all to say this bit out loud after me, but we're going to repeat a question three different ways. And then I want you to, we're just going to stop, and I want you to listen to what God is telling you, to what Holy Spirit is saying, to what Jesus is saying. And then we'll move on to working on that. So after me, Father God, do I have any offence towards you? Maybe you wanna close your eyes, pause, close your eyes so there's no distractions. Okay, now we'll do this again. Father God, do I have any offence towards you? Out loud. Is there any bitterness in my heart towards you? Have I withdrawn from you? Now listen. Oh sorry you don't repeat that but there's always one. Just listen. Spirit language. And the spirit speaks to us in pictures and reminders feelings So now we're going to do this next bit and we're all going to do it out loud together even though you may not have had an answer that indicated you've got to work through anything but I don't want the people that do to be picked out so we're going to help each other here. Let's say this Father God it feels like you've let me down that you weren't there when I really needed you I'm really confused, I'm disappointed, even angry towards you, but I don't want to be. God, you know the big picture and I don't. So I give up my right to understand. I need your presence more than I need an explanation. I surrender to your goodness and wisdom. Father, I renounce any vow that I've made to not trust you. And I give up my right to be offended with you. I give to you the lies I'm believing about you. I give you this confusion, bitterness, disappointment, anger, distrust, pain, uncertainty. And Father, as I give all this to you, what do you give me in exchange? Now just let him show you, or give it to you. because he wants you to walk out of here different. doesn't want you to miss the party, especially with him. I was playing that song yesterday, Touch of Heaven. All I want is to live within your love. Be undone by who you are. My desire is to know you deeper. Lord, I will open up again. Throw my fears into the wind. I am desperate for a touch of heaven. Father, that's our prayer. We don't want to do life without you. We don't want to do life separated from you. We don't want to do life distrusting you. And so, Father, we thank you for ministering to us today. And Lord, as we go from this place, keep speaking to us, until our hearts are totally free and remind us to practise not taking offence. Thank you, Father.